Welcome to the Infrequent New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and today, Martin Theobald. A special guest, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are special, though. I am in many, in many ways. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, right, so we've got lots to get through today. Um, this could be a real bumper issue. I mean, we're not very good at being succinct. We'll try our best. <laughs> it's, it's not a strong, a strong suit. Um, so, on the agenda for... Getting in as quick as possible. The Kel Brook fight. Kel Brook fight. So, yeah, we've got to go back a couple of weeks, haven't we? Because we, we missed last week. Yeah, so um, apologies to the fact... I mean, if, if anyone's stuck through us for any sort of extended period of time, they'll realise that we are pretty infrequent. Um, we're getting good at that. Yeah. We're frequent at it. Yeah. We're consistently inconsistent. Yeah, no, it's one of our, our strong traits. Um, so, yeah. I mean, hopefully you've stuck with us, and uh, now you get to listen to news that's about a week old. Yeah, <laughs> and we won't be doing one next week either, <laughs> will we? So, so uh, yeah, apologies about that. Yeah. But, you know, if you've listened to us this long, perhaps you just like the sound of our voice. Yeah, or, or you've got fuck all better to do. So, yeah, so your fault. Doing whatever you're doing, being that it's that uh, unimportant. Can we get on with it? Kelbrook? I'm bored of us already. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for listening. <laughs> See you again in three months. <laughs> Uh, right, okay, let's go straight in with Kel Brook, Kel Brook. Then, was... just to get it out of the way, because we will uh, come to the uh, Eubank Blackwell fiasco <clears throat> yeah. um, but afterwards, but just get this Kel Brook yeah. thing ticked so, off. The Ke- I can't even remember the blokes, now. Kevin Bizier, uh, I didn't watch it. Made short work, didn't he? Yeah, I didn't care for it, frankly. Um, the only thing that's of any interest is, uh, we'll come on to it later, the the fight from Friday night, which was Ashley Theophane versus Adrian Broner, but... Uh, <laughs> Broner won that fight. That was and again you see, quite easily, wasn't it? Yeah, fairly. <clears throat> you get Kel Brook then come out on Twitter uh, yesterday saying, uh, "Retweet this if you want to see me fight Broner." It's like, a is that how fights are made these days? <laughs> like, who gets the most retweets gets a fight. But B, Adrian Broner has fought from like, well, I think he's done a super featherweight through lightweight. He jumped like welterweight, went up to welterweight, which is where Kel Brook fights at, and then he's gone down to light welterweight. And he missed the weight for that by 0.4 of a pound. Um, <clears throat> but Kel Brook keeps going on about he wants this big fight. Like, why are you now offering... Like, there's so many names in your own division, you prick. <laughs> why are you now offering somebody from the weight division below your big fight in the summer... I don't understand it. <laughs> Talk about open yourself up for criticism. You've got so many names in your own weight division, and yet you go out of your way to call out somebody who's the weight division below. Didn't Adrian Brunner try to call Mayweather out at the end of the fight anyway? <laughs> <laughs> he did. Which I never really understand, because if you really were serious about fighting Mayweather because you wanted to, and it wasn't just a payday, which is clearly what it looks like, just say, all right, I'll take... I'll only take more than... I'll only take 40% of the... Of the of the money, if I lose the if I win the fight, there's some Otherwise, background. I'm happy to, this. to take ten percent or whatever. There's some background. Like Mayweather's got his money team. That's what he calls it, TMT, the money team, uh, of which Theophane is a part of. 
Um, hence why Mayweather was there. Broner used to be a part of it, and then there seemed to be some falling out or whatever, and Broner's kind of gone his own way. Um, and then they've had various fallings out over social media over the last six months. Remember a couple of weeks back when we were talking about how uh, Shannon Briggs would be used to build up a story? <laughs> it yeah. seems like there's been a very long story built up about this like brother. They describe themselves as brothers, Broner and Mayweather, and now they've fallen out, and now Broner wants to possibly fight Mayweather. Um, so don't be surprised if it happens because uh, that's that's boxing really um, a contrived did you always dislike. see Mayweather coming back at some stage He'll, he might, yeah he's going to surely I, I don't know he always says he doesn't and to be fair he's been very resolute about that but you just get the impression he will like his ego dictates it yeah and the money I suppose it's one thing he tends to love and yeah. the longer people are starved than Mayweather show them yeah the more it to... matter when it comes yeah. back um but he's getting on a bit now you know he's 40 years old or whatever and uh he's not a young man so i don't know maybe we'll see him maybe we won't but uh yeah anyway we'll come on to broner theophane later but yeah kelbrook Kel calling out kelbrook uh adrian broner is farcical like beyond farcical to me uh the uh, right the one thing that i i felt was a bit odd um was the fact that Kelbrook got stabbed in Tenerife and nobody's ever looked through, did it? Because <laughs> that's really <laughs> that hasn't odd. happened again. <laughs> carry on. Um, no, what, what what surprised me was the fact that when it came to the coverage on the Kelbrook, there seemed to be more coverage and more interest in the Kelbrook show going on than anything that seemed to happen in Wembley that same night. All of the BBC sent all their coverage correspondence up to there. There was it just no, it wasn't even on BBC when I was travelling back. From Wembley, wasn't even on the radio. It was a world title fight, to be fair. Which, yeah, that, that, but is that the only? Because it was a British title fight as well in Wembley, wasn't yeah. it? So, um, it was a world title fight, and Eddie Hearn is a good promoter and drums up interest in fights that are crap and undercards are crap. Um, <laughs> which is what that was. The whole thing. I, don't get me wrong; I didn't watch all of it, but I did go back and watch uh, a couple of like. <laughs> Uh, David Allen versus Jason Gavin, which, right, get this on record, Jason Gavin, about four weeks ago now, was tweeted something asking how he was recuperating from an injury. Uh, he had surgery on his ankle. It's about four weeks back, said, oh no, I'm going to be out for like three to four months, but you know, like, I need to rest it properly and I'll come back. And then two weeks after that, David Allen's opponent, Richard Towers, pulled out of the fight. And next thing you know, Jason Gavin's getting flown over to the UK to take on David Allen. <laughs> With so, a prosthetic ankle. Yeah, like, at that point, he's been out for three weeks. He said, I'm going to be another three months out. And, like, the next week, the next week after, he gets flown over by Eddie Hearn and is involved. I went back to watch it, just got heard so much criticism about it. It's the shittest fight you will see. It was like, there were takedowns in it. It was, <laughs> it was a shambles. And Eddie Hearn has the nads on him to come out afterwards again. Yeah, that was shit. Yeah, yeah, that was... You flew him over! Oh, God. Like, nobody else flew him over, mate. Like, you should be investigated. <laughs> they, I mean, the commentators, Hauling and Watt, were saying, like, oh, you know, Jason Gavin should be investigated for this fight. Like, you know, should he get his purse? He should be... In no, he shouldn't be. The promoter that's yeah. paying the money to fly a man over who's knowingly injured should be investigated. That's... Awful, awful. Uh, I, I suppose you, what you you need to then consider is uh, at least Eddie Hearn should then 
suffer somewhat with the fans, shouldn't he? Like, nah, they don't like, give a shit. No, I know this is the thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> no one ever seems to. What, what was what was the last fight they promoted? Was that shit <laughs> or not? Ah, oh, whatever. We'll just go to this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's enough. I don't want to give any more. Okay, let's my time to that. move on from this rubbish and let's talk about uh, the the Wembley Arena night. Um, and let's go straight into Blackwell Eubank. Yeah, I mean it's the one worth talking about. For me, yeah. But. Um, so you were there. I was there, but uh, you was watching as well. I, 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 I admittedly I saw a few bits that weren't shown on TV just because of the way that Spike were sorting things yeah. out. Like you didn't see Tyson Fury sing. No. <laughs> <laughs> or Ringo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. This was my opinion about the whole the whole thing, right? By take a seat. <laughs> by this moment, but the but the eighth round, right, or at least half of the eighth round, I had Eubank up by seven rounds at least because I thought the first round you may be able to call it a draw, and seven. So then you got seven rounds to Eubank. So eight, even if you take it one step forward and put it to the the end of the eighth round, so like you say, at seven seven rounds. I understand that it was a title fight. I understand that his corner want to keep him in because it's a title fight. I understand the ref didn't necessarily pull him out because he was still he was still guarding, he was still fighting back and stuff like that. But surely there comes a point where you think, as a corner, Blackwell's shown no likelihood of knocking Eubank out. Eubank's never shown a susceptibility to getting knocked out. Eubank didn't, I think, look necessarily that tired anyway. Much to the disappointment, must have been to their corner because that's apparently what their plan was. So, like, he, even if he was taking punishment, but even if you kind of take that out of it, surely there comes a point where you think, what's the point of carrying on? So that was that would be my argument. Not necessarily they should have pulled him out because he was getting injured, but just because by at, at the very least the beginning of the ninth, there's no point carrying on because yeah. you're not going to win the fight. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm probably not going to say anything that hasn't been said before about it. I suppose that uh, Gary Lockett in his corner, the the TV coverage was kind of picking up what he was saying in the corner that this has been our plan. You've been planning this for like 12 months. Take Eubank into the later rounds, and you know he'll tire out, and you can do the job. I think they were still they were still working to the theory, not the practice. So blind the, optimism. Yeah, though. the theory was, you know, we take him into the later round, you wear him out, and then Blackwell's renowned for coming on strong late. Um, but it wasn't happening. As you say, Eubank wasn't tiring to the extent that they had clearly planned for. Um, so I think they were still working to a game plan rather than what was evolving in front of them in the ring. <sighs> yeah. I realised the fight got called... Uh, called off in the tenth round, but at the beginning of the tenth round, you then really got to start asking questions. That come like you've lost every single round, bar maybe the first. Yeah, what are you expecting of this guy? Who's at this point bloodied, bruised? He's you're just literally you're you're risking his potential health. And now I realise nobody could have seen necessarily what happened to the guy, but you know you could still see that he's battered and bruised. You're risking that on the basis of him. Performing miracles, essentially. I just thought, as I just thought, I'm by no means an experienced. In fact, I'm not in any way an experienced like trainer, coach, like anything of those. And I even I was sort of wincing by the, you know, but I just thought 
someone with the experience of that shouldn't necessarily get caught up in the moment and they should be going right okay what's the best thing for for nick blackwell here so i I was a bit i was a bit disappointed with the maybe this is going a bit overboard but the lack of professionalism i thought in terms or maybe the lack of professional like safety consideration given to nick blackwell because at that point, how can he make an educated decision on what's happening to him? Yeah, and I mean, if you asked him, he would say, don't pull me out. No doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's such a, it was a brutal watch at home. It was, you know, as much you were sat ringside for it, you'd have seen it far clearer than I would, like, sat on the TV. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What can you say that hasn't been said about it, I <laughs> yeah. suppose? But... I feel, you know, it's tragic for everybody involved. You know, we're a week on now and uh, Blackwell's still in that coma. So you just, every hope and, you know, thought has to be with Blackwell and family and, you know, hope that he he pulls through it. You know, he's clearly never going to fight again. What's fascinating is like how the boxing community comes together. So you end up like Adam Etches, who was on the Sky Bill that night up in Sheffield, uh, put together a just giving page that's now up to about ten grand. I think that was his intention was to get ten grand to donate to Blackwell. Oh, okay. Uh, him and Kel Brook, yes, or over the weekend have done a twenty-four hour run on a treadmill, like swapping in and out between the two of them uh, to raise money for Kel Brook and who? Adam Etches. Oh, okay. Um, to raise money for Blackwell. So all these things are like you know it's great to see. You wish they didn't have to happen, but it's it's fascinating to see how the the sport comes together. Yeah, when that kind it's of thing. sad, isn't it? That they take that for the sport to yeah, come together. But yeah, um, still, it's, it's nice that it happens at all. Yeah. So yeah, and then the stuff about the Eubanks and what have you, and the corner instructions is yeah. Uh, well, I, I feel like I feel like it was a bit harsh. I saw a a piece. Um, basically on Frank Warren's website calling um Eubank senior sanctimonious uh because he because he'd highlighted the fact that he'd told Eubank Jr. to slow down and don't aim for the head, aim for the body. I I mean to which all the responses were completely negative to Frank Warren, like, shut up you idiot <laughs> and stuff like that. That's um, what he brings it on himself. Yeah, I think I think to some I'm I'm sure that um, you'll you'll be able to name the guy who Eubank uh, took apart, uh, Michael Watson, and so that was probably in his mind when all this was uh, kicking off. And I've no doubt that you know to some extent he was thinking, okay, well this could be history repeating itself. But at the same time, I think you I spoke to you about it, and you sort of said if you've punched him that many times in the head and he's not gone down, then. A boxing tactic is then to go for the yeah because I'm still in the minority that I don't think <clears throat> I think Eubank's playing bullshit on this frankly like I don't think there's any part of what Eubank told his son to do which was to uh, he wasn't doing that to help Blackwell out that's my view he spent nine rounds punching him in the head relentlessly <laughs> and Blackwell hasn't gone down like at that point you know the man's exhausted like go to the body and like go for the the stoppage that way that's how i interpret it as the only person that really knows 100% is eubank um but there's no part of me that thinks you know, i, I think it's besides the point i would see it as a weakness anyway if if he did say oh 
I might hurt this guy. I'll go for the butt because that's not his job. Yeah, and, and you if- look at the stats; he didn't actually stop going for the head anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So as much as there's the debate around, it, if you actually look at the the cold hard stats, he didn't really heed his father's advice too much and continued to go for the head. But um, it's political game playing to some extent, isn't it? Like you know, I, oh, I can jump on this bandwagon and earn yeah, myself some like praise. Why they're doing interviews about it? Like they called a press conference. Didn't they? they called a press conference. They've done one-to-one interviews on Channel Four. Where yeah, Channel Four did a real cock up of it and asked some stupid questions. But why are you even putting yourself in front of the camera yeah. anyway? Like why take the attention yourselves? I don't well, understand. I'm it. assuming it's just to prom- it's, it's self promotion. <laughs> And it's it's a bit sad to see, really, given what's uh, what's happened. Oh, absolutely! You know the the risks of human life that's still there at present, and you've got the Eubanks going on doing press conferences and saying we're not going to celebrate the victory until Blackwell's out of hospital. Oh, what? So the hospital door like slides closed, the automatic <laughs> door goes beep. That's it. The fucking party poppers are out there in the Eubank house. No, you absolute morons. Just <laughs> also, it happens to be that. We've ordered the banners and they won't turn up until at least a week. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I do think the limelight grabbing by, you know, certainly Eubank Senior. I don't have anything particularly against Eubank Junior. I'm sure he goes where he's told to do. To didn't an he snap back at you? Uh, like Eubank Senior was talking to him in the in the corner, saying to him, you know, this, this, this. And at one point, Junior snaps back at him and says, "Enough. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. want to hear any more from you, sort of thing." Um. So I, I think. I definitely think um, the the more cringe end part of the spectrum is down to Eubank Senior, perhaps. Because I think Eubank Senior wants to make him such a name they don't have to rely on anyone else that is them. I mean, to some extent, that's where they've got to now. Um, but I think they've seen this somewhat as a bit of a, as we've <coughs> said, promotion exercise, which yeah. is a bit sad to see. No, it is. It is. I think they're their aim is to create a brand out of a name that is recognisable, not just in the sport, but out of the sport as well. Um, I think it's almost an element of like Eubank Senior vicariously carrying on his boxing career through Junior's achievements. Senior has his own legacy, he has his own achievements, he ought to just take a step back and let his son get on with it. You see it in other sports as well, like um, there's different ways to go about things, like for example, you look at F1, you look at Lewis Hamilton's dad in comparison to Jensen Button's dad. When Lewis Hamilton was winning and they were like, his dad seemed to be there, but he wasn't, for most part, in the background unless Lewis Hamilton brought him to the fore. Whereas Jensen Button's dad turned himself into this bronze, you know, <laughs> bronzed pimp who just hung around all the time giving <laughs> interviews. So you thought, you are loving this attention uh, by proxy. But I would do that. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely do yeah, that. Yeah, but like, it's a way of handling yourself with dignity. Of course, everyone wants to do that, don't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not so- criticising the man for that at all. <laughs> If I could get up there, hang about on the podium for a bit, you'll find me there all day. Um, yeah, but that, I mean, I, to uh, to the most extreme end of that, that's what Eubank does, in my opinion. But Eubank worse. You you worse than the extreme end of the yeah, spectrum. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. you've then got. I mean, as a comparison, we'll talk about it later on. But um, Nigel Ben, his son Connor, makes his professional debut this weekend um, as a lightweight. You won't hear about Nigel Ben being involved at all because he's basically like taking a step back, as if it's nothing to do with him. Not that he's not there for his son, of course. Yeah, his son's made it quite clear. You know, his dad's there for advice and guidance, and 
his dad wasn't overly keen on him going into the sport, but if he wanted to, then that's fine. Um, but you won't see Nigel Benn in the corner. You won't see him mm. doing like press conferences. You don't with have him. to walk out behind your son with a new pimp cane every time he fights in order yeah. holding a flag above him to, to, to support him, do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a comparison. Is I say Nigel Benn's son will be in a professional ring this weekend. You won't hear from Nigel Benn about it particularly. That'd be interesting. Um, okay, let's move on just to cover the the other fights uh, that that particular night. Um, Huey Fury fought some fat bum. Um, it wasn't shown on Spike TV. Like I said, I was there, and I'll be honest. Most of the night, I was most of that fight uh, myself and any anyone else who stayed um, that wasn't part of the, t- the of the Fury team was either writing or on their phones. <laughs> it yeah. was such a boring fight. And to some extent, it looked like Huey Fury was like using it as a, as a sparring exercise. I don't know if he had the power to blow this guy away, because you'd said he'd never been, he'd never been knocked Dominic out Dominic Gwynn, yeah, never been knocked out. But he, <clears throat> he, he just seems... It was, you know, jumping about, almost like, okay, this is what I'm going to do here, this is what I'm going to do there, rather than if he did like an Anthony Joshua assuming he was capable and blow this guy away he wasn't going to learn anything anyway yeah it's a difficult one for three reasons one is the circumstance of what had gone on with the delay after the Blackwell Eubank yeah, fight that's true, yeah. like that's going to sap everything out of they didn't even know if the fight was going to happen yeah um, secondly you've got the fact that um, Huey Fury's going off to fight on Frank Warren cards now um, as of April <clears throat> and so you know he didn't want to risk anything you'd suspect of ruining in not that there was much of a risk of it, but it's heavyweight boxing. He could have <laughs> risked getting knocked out or something himself. But when I spoke with Huey Fury uh, a couple of months back, he was not criticising, but um, questioning what Joshua's ever going to learn, as you've just alluded to, really. What's he going to learn by just blasting everyone out within three rounds? Yeah. Nothing. So, yeah, it probably was a bit of a glorified spa. Um, it was a late change of opponent as well, which is a, you know, a fourth... Have we seen knockout it. power from Hugh Fury? Um, yeah, I mean, he's knocked opponents out. He probably isn't as explosive as Joshua. He's probably more like Tyson, I guess, that he's uh, he can weigh you down rather than blast you out. Um, one thing I heard um, actually on the BBC the other day was that... Um, now, I don't know about this, so hopefully you, you do, but... Um, there I'll make was... it up if not, don't I? <laughs> Annie Joshua took part in some sort of uh, event once that involved Mo Farah and it was all run- yeah, running yeah. and stuff like that. And he it was the- like superstars. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. He did the 100 metres in 11.5 yeah, seconds. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, he's uh, a real athlete as well. I think he won it. It was against like Olympic stars from that year. So he had like a triathlete, Mo Farah, Anthony Joshua, um, rowers oh, okay. so they got all the different disciplines uh and took on different challenges like 100 meters a more endurance based race i don't remember any of this this, is, this would be great to watch again <laughs> on youtube somewhere yeah. um but yeah they essentially got people from different disciplines to try out different disciplines and see who came out as the most rounded athlete and joshua stormed it i think <laughs> if i remember rightly um, this was and it, the only pro. thing I worry about Joshua is he needs bigger shoulders. It <laughs> <laughs> was a brilliant tweet today. I know, uh, is it the Sunday Telegraph that had the expose about 
British doctor that's saying there's 160 elite level British athletes that he's treated in the last oh, I heard year about or whatever. Yeah. Oh, Times, I think it was. The Times, right. okay. Um, that he's treated for PEDs, like helped them out with performance enhancing drugs and given them it. Dillian White tweeted this morning to Anthony, she said, Anthony Joshua, good to see you in the Sunday Times today, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he was actually in there. No, they didn't just, name it, anyone in there. Ah, which okay. is fucking rich coming from a man who's had a 12-month ban for banned substance. <laughs> what, Dillian White? Yeah. <laughs> My God, I thought... I, yeah, yeah, that's some kahunas on you to go around. Plus, he's the perfect... Those. If, otherwise, you'd be the perfect individual to say, I clearly haven't had any performance in Harvard drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Anyway, maybe an unhealthy amount of pizza in his uh, in his bloodstream or cholesterol. Yeah, you tell him that, mate. <laughs> Dillian, you're a lovely man. Okay, so I'm not actually. I don't care for unless you do to go into any more detail about the Wembley. There was a load of either one-sided bum fights or just, um, yeah, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, no, I mean it was fairly inevitable. You really, can read really. it. Um, a pretty frank review of mine on the website if you really care. But yeah, I mean, given you know there were like two days to go and half the card was versus TBA, yeah. then it's what you'd expect. Busiest fire in boxing. <laughs> let's uh, Tony let's... Bob Allen. <laughs> let's move on to um, the uh, David Hay announcement in the week. Yeah, okay. Just briefly go over that. It got announced <clears> that he's fighting some some. Uh, Eastern uh, block Swiss cobra. Bloke. Oh, is it Swiss? Yeah. Is it? Some <laughs> the cobra. I mean, twenty nine fights. Is yeah. It? This is, this is hilarious. Like I <laughs> know nothing about twenty nine fights. No, uh, twenty nine wins. Is yeah. That right. Uh, mm. So they described on the Sky website. So I don't know whether like Sky did this last time when Hay announced his fight. They showed a tentative kind of interest in it on Sky Sports website, and then it all died off when it was clear they weren't going to be showing it. Oh, okay. So they've done the same thing again. Like they've started to try in their attempt to big up the opponent, the way they've described him, because he's beaten nobody in those twenty nine fights or whatever. Like the the resume on the guy is terrible. Um they've described him as being the heavyweight with the second longest undefeated record behind Deontay Wilder, but ahead of Tyson Fury. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and like, the other achievement that he's got that they like to write down is that he sparred Vladimir Klitschko. Well, that's impressive. <sighs> that is almost as impressive as being the um, in the top ten heavyweights in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so, David Hayes really picking him. Yeah, same as Mark Demore. He hadn't been stopped in like that's nine right, yeah. years or whatever. Like this guy uh, is getting put to sleep early doors. Um, it's like sitting in your driveway revving the car and saying you've never had an accident. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a really disappointing... Like, don't I? I was really hoping, because I'd seen the rumours this guy was going to get picked, but I was really hoping that it wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was at the Hay Comeback reporting on it, and the electricity in the air as he made his kind of return, he was walking down to the ring, you was, was brilliant. TV, like, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And that excitement of having him back... Was excellent. Three million people tuned in. Three million, yeah. Unreal. Um, and so I was hoping, like really hoping, they weren't going to pick this bloke and they would get a decent fight for him. But it is disappointing. Like you can't hide that it's a crap opponent. Frankly, like his, I think not his last opponent, but his opponent before was Dennis Baktov. 
so this is at like fight 27 or something in his career and he won it on a points decision over something like 10 rounds now Dennis Baktov was who Joshua fought in about his fifth or sixth fight and beat him in two rounds <laughs> like just sparked the guy out finished him off and this guy went the distance with him so I I saw the uh, the video did you send me a video yeah then? yeah <laughs> <laughs> the bloke had just falls over in the corner, and that was it. Like, he, okay, so I love the way sets the some context is holding this. the towel. You like, and I have seen him. Other people probably haven't, okay, right? Yeah. So they're not engaging. In, there's this guy that Hayes fighting again. I haven't really looked up the name, but uh, oh, I can't pronounce it anyway. So there's this guy that he's fighting. Let's call the Cobra. Is so. fighting somebody else I've never heard of. Yeah, some fat guy. They're not some really engaging, guy. but he lands a right hand. This fat guy kind of stumbles back a bit. Is asked goes behind him and he kind of falls down in sort of stages backwards. Yeah, it's almost like oh, before I get hit again, I'm actually going to yeah, fall yeah. into the ropes. So he falls it? into the ropes. He's not gone to the ground completely. In the meantime, the guy in his corner has like already fucking rolled the towel up and chucked it over the top of the ropes. <laughs> this fat geezer looks around like, what are you doing, mate? Yeah. And the cobra's walking around kind of shrugging as if so then I think this might have been doesn't fixed. The, doesn't the ref walk up to the cobra and go, do you want to continue? Because I, I don't bl- know. It, to me, it looked like the big fat Joe in the corner or whatever had gone, well, I don't want to... When the when this towel in, he dropped on one knee, I think it was, and then he got up and I think he was like... He looked, looked to me like, well, yeah, why has the towel just gone in, by yeah. the way? And then he went over... It's almost like the ref went over to the cobra and went, he wants to continue... I don't know if he has to ask for permission. It was so bizarre. And then the cub was like, nah. And just nah. stripped his gloves off. Yeah, I've Don't won. get paid for overtime, mate, do I? <laughs> just, I just thought, what a, what a, a bizarre, bizarre So yeah, that's who we've got coming over. And I can't COVID. actually remember one of the reviews from when... It was very similar to the, one of the reviews I wrote. I can't actually remember who it was. But it was one of the fights where, where he gets... This opponent, this bum fighter that's turned up, gets punched in the nose. And he just cries, essentially. Like, ow, you just punched me in the nose. Okay, I quit. <laughs> and the fight gets called off. So bizarre. It was rubbish. It really was. It's the polar opposite when we went to that unlicensed fighting uh, in the cage where they had a boxing. And oh, the right, guy yeah. was getting pummeled. His corner threw the towel over the top of the cage. <laughs> yes, right. Ref picked it up, threw, threw it back it out. out. <laughs> yeah. Carried on fighting, lads. Not yet, son. <laughs> <laughs> it was the absolute opposite of that. Sorry, that towel hasn't got the right signature on it. Why yeah. didn't know you had to sign him? <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable night. But... Um, <laughs> That's Just the before beauty. the chairs started getting thrown around the yeah, arena. Yeah, well, I, in fairness, when you throw a towel in, nothing happens. You think, what have I got to throw in? Maybe a chair? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's a bit like when you play Tomb Raider and like you try every different permutation of things until something <laughs> opened the door. Like That's it. You like you, To open that cage door, you have to... Anyway, yeah, off-piece. But, um, yeah, so this guy coming over is going to be an uh, absolute bum, I'd suspect. Oh, Hayes no. going to blow him out and... You kind of think there must be something bigger planned around the corner. Yeah, for that's what kind of because uh, uh, Shannon Briggs crashed the interview almost like he'd read the script that you'd written for him. Um, well, we oh, said the other week about. Oh, champ. Yeah. Well, let's go, champ. Was it? Yeah, let's go, champ. Um, yeah, Hay said to him, you know, if you could fight or if you could pass a brain scan with the board, then I might fight you. Which he subsequently done, Shannon Briggs. So that sets up potentially a fight later on in the year between those two. I mean, <clears throat> quite why Hay, what's he had like? He's going to be three and a half months out by the time he comes back for this fight at the O two. 
I know he can't fight every week. Like if he wants to fight at the O2, that's a lot of tickets to sell per week. But people are buying them. People go and watch him. He didn't need that three and a half months out at his age, and you know, on the comeback trail, he needs to be possibly going more regularly than every three and a half months. This fight isn't going to go more than probably around again. Uh, there must be something lined up around the corner for him. That... Uh, the, the the question I would pose is, even if Shannon Briggs is like, hey, he could probably command some sort of fight right now, could he not? Yeah. So, so. why is he wasting time? Because he's not proved anything by fighting Briggs. Some 70-year-old boxer or whatever he is, 40-something. Yeah, mid-40s. I don't, I, I don't really understand what he's proving. I mean, you said that Shannon Briggs has been winning still, right? So he's, yeah, yeah, but, but in the same way that the Cobra's been winning. Right, so he's not, he's not, if he beats Shannon Briggs, it's not like, ah, yes, hey, he's definitely proved that he's ready to f- take on Anthony Joshua, is it? No, no. Just... And it, and Hay seems like, already, seems like a, a good fit for the first Anthony Joshua defence, if that's what he wanted to do. Um, uh, I think we spoke about Anthony the first Anthony Joshua, it probably won't be Hay anyway, didn't we say? It'd probably be a, an easier... Yeah, it'd probably be an easier one, Easier but... opponent, but it's... Is it, what's the point? What's the point of him fighting Shannon Briggs? That's what I don't understand. Because is it a what's money? What's the point of him exercise? fighting the Cobra? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's take it back to like the imminent, yeah. which is why you're fighting a guy that nobody over here has ever heard of. Nobody in the world of boxing knows who this fucker is, right? You don't have 29 fights, whatever he's got on his record, and no one knows who you are. You've never fought for a world title unless you're crap. So why is he fighting him? Yeah. to sell out the O2 to get some money out of it and he'll get a bigger fight around the corner but it's just it, it's like soul destroyingly disappointing that this geezer is the opponent yeah because there's there's better fights that happen in smaller locations that don't get sold out I mean Absolutely. 2,000 people went to the went to the Eubank um, Blackwell fight and alright apart from the tragic circumstances that happened afterwards that was a cracking fight it was a fight, fight. <clears throat> yeah, that was a cracking fight and you think but then all those people turned up to Sheffield. I don't know how many people turned up to Sheffield, but enough people for me to go, what the fuck yeah, are you like turning Around 10,000. Yeah, yeah, all right. A lot of them would have been, wouldn't have been prepared to come to London anyway, but that's a lot of money to spend. Yeah, but, you know, there's a higher density of population in London than there is yeah, in Sheffield. True. And, uh, and money's know, and less of a problem. And travelling into London and... <laughs> is easier than it is travelling to Sheffield. Yeah. It's because of Hearn, and it, well, it's because of the promotional side of things. That's what just gets people in. <sighs> okay, right, let's move on to something less depressing. Luckily, we have something that is exciting and interesting to talk about, and that is the Joshua Martin fight this weekend. Um, but we won't talk about it straight away, because let's get the uh, let's get our vegetables out of the way before we eat the meat and potatoes, and we'll go for the... Uh, <laughs> I'm not the eating ad- your meat or potatoes, <laughs> mate, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Ew. All right, well, uh, might as well finish there, then. <laughs> Bit of waste of an hour. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about the undercard, which involves Lee Selby versus Eric Hunter. Now, yeah. I don't know anything about Eric Hunter. Is that I don't know worth? about him a lot either, from perfectly honest. Oh, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what's worth notice, you've got to kind of give credit to Eddie Hearn for this. Like, I don't like giving credit to Eddie Hearn, but I'm going to. Um, a balance, like, <laughs> I don't just hate the fucker. Uh, because this is a cracking card, like... When you talk about pay-per-view, I might even pay for this. I might not stream it. Um, is this like is this like um, some sort of uh, a reward for them putting on something good? Is that why you're prepared to pay for I, it? As I've said to you before, I don't mind paying for pay-per-view if it's I think worth, it's worthwhile. Right, so you've okay. got three world title fights on this card. Okay. Um, 
plus various other like well matched fights. So I don't have an issue with this as such. We'll come on to the issues later. But uh, Lee Selby, Eric Hunter. I don't know an awful lot about Eric Hunter, to be honest. This is a good expose for Lee Selby. Uh, Lee Selby, though, that he can hopefully build up his own following off the back of this, I guess. Um, you know, like he's been a world title holder now for a while. So he won it on a an O2 show before on a pay-per-view. But he hasn't really cracked on. He's been over in America fighting. That hasn't really worked for him, so he's coming back to this. The intention will be to build him and Josh Warrington up, um, possibly for a fight at Ellen Road. So this is getting him some exposure, essentially. Uh, I don't know an awful lot about Eric Hunt, though, if I'm perfectly honest. I would suspect... You'd be surprised to see Lee Selby lose it because he is one of the best fighters in that weight division, like undoubtedly. So I can't see him... He's not going to lose it. I'd be highly surprised. Okay, um, let's talk about someone that's a bit more familiar to everyone, um, and that's George Groves. He's on the card. He is. He's fighting David Brophy, an undefeated super middleweight from Scotland. If I'm on it, I don't know anything about David Brophy either. Um, but Groves is... I don't know where Groves is at in his career now. So is this a, another rebuilding process for him, or...? Well, this... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so last night you had Callum Smith on Sky who was fighting for uh, a final eliminator for the oh, WBC. Yeah, I saw it. Didn't he blow him away? He blew uh, Mohammadi away in the first round. round. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he shouldn't have done. This guy had never been stopped, and like, he'd fought a fairly decent level, and Callum Smith obliterated him. Uh, yeah. um, I did say, actually, he wasn't expected to No, to, no he wasn't to expected well. to. And after he'd beaten Rocky Fielding in his previous fight in the first round, like all signs are showing that uh, perhaps... Uh, like the WBC title holder is Badu Jack, who's fighting uh, in a couple of weeks um, against Lucian Butte. So, Callum Smith is now in a position where he's going to be the mandatory when that mandatory comes round for Badu Jack, which I'm not sure when it is. So, he may well keep himself busy fighting George Groves. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so, George Groves out. is fighting this weekend. I know nothing about this David Brophy whatsoever. I haven't really looked into... I had a quick look through his, his record. He's undefeated in, I don't know, around 15, 20 fights, something like that. Uh, but against nobodies, particularly. So there's a little bit of this that makes me think back to when Anthony Joshua fought the undefeated Scottishman Gary Cornish and smashed right. him to pieces. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe I'm doing Brophy a massive disservice. I don't know. Um, but that's kind of how it, it looks a little bit. Um, a very um, well-protected Scottish undefeated fighter coming down. Might be surprised. He might do Groves entirely. But. Can you just refresh my memory? Uh, George Groves li- recently had a world title that he lost again. And who was that? That was Badu Jack. That was Badu Jack, okay. Um, so, At that point, we were kind of saying this is his chance to then... That whoever wins that fight then goes on and has the potential to then go on to be world yeah. title holder, blah, 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 and hold it for a while, whatever. Yeah, so um, it'd be really good if George Groves comes through this, see him fight Callum Smith. Because Callum Smith, I say, did such a job last night. On the undercard last night, you had Rocky Fielding against Christopher Rabrasse. Rabrasse gave Callum Smith a lot of problems when they fought, but Smith still beat him. Um, Rabrasse gave Fielding all sorts of problems last night. Um, yeah, so it, it's all Just, about levels. So does George Groves <clears throat> then effectively start looking like a gatekeeper? 
to the world title level. Possibly. If Callum Smith goes through him, if that fight got made and went through him, mm. then yes, you kind of would have to say that. Um, so it's an interesting one. So, yeah, it'd be good to see Groves get a win this weekend coming. And uh, if he doesn't, you've really got to start asking yourself questions. You? <laughs> yeah, unless David Brophy is something special that has gone under yeah. the radar. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, I can't really say one way or the other with him because I've not had the opportunity to watch him. But, uh, We've briefly spoken about Connor Ben, uh, Nigel Benson. Yeah, is there much else to talk about? No, or? not really. Don't know anything about he's his. Dead, he yeah. says it himself. You know, he's had a, a handful of amateur fights, about twenty odd. Uh, he won most of them. He's probably going to be quite good. Um, he's a lightweight, so all these people that go, "Oh yeah, can't wait to see him fight Eubank Junior." You're a fucking idiot. Shut up, because <laughs> he's not going to fight Eubank Junior. Um, it's not going to happen. So yeah, forget that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so if you were thinking that, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, simple as. Okay, uh, let's move on then. Jamie McDonald versus <clears throat> Juan Rosas. Juan Rosas. Right, I know I'm going to no seem idea. really uneducated this week. I know nothing about Juan Rosas. And part of the reason why I know nothing about him is A, he's not one of the elite in that division um, of the Bantamweights. And B, this is a world title fight that got announced at eight days' notice, to be put onto the card. Which is mental. Like, which makes you think they've fucking dug this geezer up from somewhere. Like, there's no way... <laughs> there's no way you're flying over a world-class opponent at eight days. It's got announced on Twitter on Friday, just gone, to take place on the Saturday after. Like, you don't make world title fights mm. at eight days' notice. Yep. This geezer is going to be shocking. Questions. Um... I suspect this is probably a goodbye to the bantamweight division for Jamie McDonnell. We'll probably move up to super bantamweight um, and look at the likes of Quig or Frampton in the future. Quig was there yesterday, wasn't he? He with was. Callum Smith. I yeah, saw with his stupid, like, soulless smile on his face. Yeah, they all looked... Re- I mean, he always looked em- embarrassed to be there. I don't know if that was his, his uh, default face. I'm not sure he knew where he was. <laughs> <laughs> but just, I just thought... I don't know what it is. Eddie Hearns makes me cringe. He's like, no one makes me cringe more than uh, Joe Gallagher, who's the trainer of Callum Smith, Paul Smith, Liam Smith, <laughs> Stephen Smith, uh, Anthony Crawler, Scott Quigg, all of them. And like, he has to get in on every single photo and like hold every single. Like, you're the trainer, mate. Piss off. <laughs> Go and do your job. You don't need to be like there in every. Like, yeah. Give your fighter the focus. You don't need to be there holding the belt in every photo. But the best one was the big photo where they had everybody in the green T-shirt. So, like, Team Smith. So, yeah, Crawler, Quig, the four Smith brothers, their dad. Um, I can't remember who else. Well, Joe Gallagher, clearly, because yeah, he has to be in Eddie there. Eddie Hearn, the back. Yeah, and then Eddie Hearn, like, turns up in the background. <coughs> sticks his finger like in the air. Like he photobombed it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got one Yo, finger dude. up in the yeah. air. Like, no one invited you, Ed. Do uh, one, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I know he's the promoter. Like to an extent, he has more right to be there than Joe Gallagher does. I say it just annoys me that Joe Gallagher has to be on every single photo opportunity. Well, um, someone's kid right at the front doing a fist little motion. That's fine. I haven't got a problem with your kid being there. That's all right. I can live with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Uh, okay, uh, right. We've gone off. Yeah. Let's go. Brian so, Rose versus M- Matthew Macklin because I want. There's something else I want to get to in okay. regards to all these fights. So this is a great fight. Um, Rose Macklin is two domestic fighters who. Macklin's had various world title shots at middleweight. Um, Brian Rose had one at light middleweight. They're both 
into their 30s now. Um, like This is a great fight. This is a real... You, you suspect the loser of this is probably going to retire. Um, I don't okay. actually know what weight it's been fought at because Macklin's always been a middleweight. He dropped down to light middleweight for his last fight, which he was fairly unconvincing at. Um, Brian Rose, a light middleweight. So whether they're going to do it somewhere in the middle, I don't know. Um, I don't know what the arrangement is for it, but it's a really, really good fight. Like uh, This could go on any other card and kind of a standard Saturday night card and be the headline act for it. <clears throat> so I'm surprised they put it on this one, which would be fairly low down the bill. It seems like a bit of a throwaway fight to put on here when they could have made more of it as a bit of a, you know, end of someone's career potentially. Um, so I was surprised, but quite pleasantly pleased. Okay, so my question would be, given what you said, said at the beginning of this, what out of these fights, you said that it's a cracking undercard, but what of the fights... How many of the fights would you say are going to be a great fight? How to many are 50 50? Well, yeah, because even like, 60, we've been through some of them, and some of them we're not really sure who the opponent is. And um, I mean, you can only. Connor Ben is. You can't You can't put anything on It'll that. It'll be a throwaway know. fight. They'll get yeah. somebody in. George Groves could easily be a throwaway fight. It could potentially. Be. Probably. Yeah, you, can't, you certainly can't invest. Although Groves doesn't tend to blast people out anyway, so it's it's yeah. probably going to end up going at least six, <laughs> seven rounds. Then you've got, uh, like you say, McDonald Rosas, but we're not sure who Rosas is, and it's been arranged so late <clears throat> that it could easily be a bum. Um, yeah. Rose Macklin, you said, is good, and could, so that's one. Joshua Martin's clearly going to be an interesting fight, regardless of what really happens. Yeah. So are you looking? So what you know? What is it, Lee Selby? What would you give Lee Selby, Mark, um, Eric Hunter for interest value? Um, it's a good question. I see what your point is. That having said, it's a decent card. Actually, yeah, I'm not trying you to call you out on it. No, no, no. It, I've you, seen the light. You, Fuck it, I'm you, streaming it. <laughs> yeah, you don't make snap judgments of. Yeah, I'm gonna. You must have thought about. So I just wondered what your thought process with, with like. As, actually, you're, you're, you're really overrating my. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You've made you've a snap judgment. You've known me for 25 years, and you think I've got this thought process. Well, I, I, the only thing I could pay down to is you started thinking about it, and then you thought, "Nah, I can't bother." <laughs> okay, yeah. never mind. You should definitely pay for this fight. Uh, this box office because it's going to be absolutely awesome. You heard it here first, folks. Um, I, I, I'd like to. Let's get to the Joshua Martin because that will be interesting, regardless. I think um, I don't really know because we've kind of spoken about it before, really. But um, I, I think no matter what happens, if Joshua blows Martin away, it the biggest laugh will be at the IBF for being so fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, whether whether this the IBF thought to themselves. When when Martin won it in the first place, because who was the guy that Martin fought to won it? Vyacheslav uh, Glazhkov. Did they think he was going to win the fight? You think? I don't know. Was was, was Martin a stooge? A um, little. Well, I think they both were. <laughs> oh, <laughs> two stooges in there. <laughs> um, so I, it's uh, the problem with this is for Joshua. Aside from the 20,000 people that will turn up at the O2, and like Joshua's got an army of fans, a legion of loyal fans already, which is so impressive. Like, give him that. Is that for. How can I put it? Um, possibly more educated fans of boxing, not the ones that would just tune in for Anthony Joshua fights. Yeah. 
this is almost no win for him. Like, <laughs> which is really odd to say that he could walk away with a world title inside of twenty fights of his professional career. But if you break it down as this, right? If he blasts um, Charles Martin out in a round, then my view would be Charles Martin's shit. Like you've done nothing. Like you're a world title holder, but it's a, sh- <laughs> a sham of, of a world title because no one knows what Charles Martin can do. So if he blasts him out in a round, my view would just be, well, that's shit. Like you need to fight somebody to legitimise it. Um, if he goes like five, six, seven, eight rounds, and Charles Martin looks, the only way that Joshua gets any credit out of this is if Charles Martin is better than what we think he is. That's the only way he gets. Yeah, credit I mean, out the, of it. the problem. The problem is if 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 the Dillian White fight had only lasted two, three rounds, then and he blows Charles Martin away in the second round, you can start looking at the fact that maybe that's what he does, just blows people away. But because the Dillian White fight lasted so long, in order for a, a heavyweight to be respectable, you'd have thought that, especially so close to the Dillian White fight, so it's not like Danny Joshua's come on leaps and bounds since that fight. He didn't have fights to relearn a lot. So unless a fighter puts up enough sort of resistance to, around that sort of, what was it, seven rounds, the Dillian White stoppage? Yeah, six, seven. So Can't unless remember. they get to that sort of area, I'd, I'd put that as a measurement gauge at this point. So I, I can see what you mean. If, it, if he blows him out in two rounds, you'd be like, oh, Martin was shit then. Yeah. But that's part of, yeah, I know what you mean. This particular fight only though, because Martin is... Sorry, who? <laughs> yeah. And so like, he's going to... If he wins this very, very quickly, which he feasibly could, yeah. he's going to need to back it up like with somebody decent. But if he, he won't, though, will he? No, I'd be very surprised <laughs> if he does. Very surprised. So if it goes a longer... I don't see... There's no way it goes to points. I'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> who would be his next... Um, sorry to keep jumping in on you, but who, who would be the next... Um, Mandatory. Mandatory opponent for the IBA. I don't know. Uh, because they've only just... like the When Martin won that belt, um, back in January, I think it was, that was the mandatory fight. So you've still got 10 months or whatever until a mandatory will be due. Oh, uh, it's only one per belt per year. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> so uh, you've still got 10 months then to decide which joke of a fighter it will be. Um, but they can they can manipulate their ratings anyway to to say whoever because yeah. so it could be David Hay if they just choose no that. absolutely yeah sod it you can do that yeah, yeah. there's no odds to them but it um, makes sense for them to make it as big and as popular and as expensive as possible well not uh, it absolutely does possible, right? and then you look at the fight they put together when they stripped Tyson Fury was Charles Martin versus Vyacheslav Glashkov yeah unless they always the- had a view to. Get two bums together, one of them fights, and then they say for those bums, how would you like to fight Anthony Joshua? No, because he's picked Anthony Joshua himself. Like oh, is Joshua he? isn't oh, yeah, the mandatory, yeah, this is a voluntary. Yeah. <clears throat> um, like God knows how much Martin's getting paid to come over for his first title defence as a voluntary one to come to London and fight a man who knocks everyone out. But um, Unless it was a deal from the start, right, if you choose Anthony Joshua as your first opponent, we'll let you fight for it now. You two bums. I mean, I realise we're getting to conspiracy, conspiracy yeah, yeah, yeah. territory here. I don't know. Um, anyway, it'll be an interesting fight regardless. It will be an interesting me. fight. I say, I I see it as hard. It's hard to envisage unless Charles Martin... There's no guarantee that Joshua's going to win. Let's also clarify this. Like yeah. Tyson Fury's view is that Charles Martin wins this. Now, whether he's just saying that to be on the wind-up, I don't know. But he's come out and said... On the basis of what? Does he... 
He says Anthony Joshua doesn't have any jab to him, doesn't have any balance, rushes his work. Um, Charles Martin's a big lump of a bloke, bigger than anyone that Joshua's fought already. He's a southpaw. Um, He hits hard. Like Joshua just thinks that he's come out and said that he thinks that Martin wins the fight. Um, Peter Fury's come out and said that he thinks probably Charles Martin wins the fight. Um, I, I'm, I, whether I that's just on the wind-up. You know, maybe. I tend, to, uh, I tend to respect the view of Peter Fury more than I would Tyson. I don't know if t- Peter Fury is prone to wind-ups as well. No, but, no, not really. But it's, it's, it seemed, I, would, I would respect that view, especially, yeah. especially um, as the way that they took apart Klitschko. And, I don't know. It just feels like that's legitimate. You know, yeah, yeah. A, so it's no, a, it's no view given. Some gravitas. Um, it's no given that Joshua wins this. So... It could feed. It doesn't matter if he doesn't win it. He's so young, so popular, yeah, so talented um, to an extent that people will forgive it and wait to see who his next fight is. Well, at the very least, he always knows that for the foreseeable future, he's got a big payday with Tyson uh, with David Hay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so he's always got that in the back. If he burn, lost then. it, and then those two said in the summer we'll fight, and it's you know this is an eliminator for a belt, then that sells out. Wherever they choose, yeah, um, that could foreseeably be a Wembley job, couldn't it? It could be, yeah. The <clears> amount of followers they both got, given individually, they can sell out the O2, yeah, you know, within five minutes each. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, it could well be. But uh, as I say, it is by no means a given that Joshua wins at the weekend. Uh, we're talking about hypothetically where he goes on from it, yeah, but let's course, see yeah. if he gets through first. Um, but I say. To be fair to him, if he does, he's going to find it hard to get any credit for it, I think. Unless it's a pro, You know, if they stood there for like seven, eight rounds and beat the hell out of each other all that time. And, you know, if Joshua gets up off the canvas and takes a beating and still goes back and, and finishes him off, like then he'll get credit for it, no yeah. doubt about if, it. If basically Charles Martin shows he has quality and Joshua manages to adapt his game to get past yeah. it. Yeah, then he will get credit, but... <laughs> it seems like an awfully specific scenario. It really is, isn't it? It's, uh, so, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Lots of people still love Joshua afterwards, regardless. Yeah. That's great. It's great for the sport. It would be nice to, for uh, one of our young fighters to still have a zero next to his name. I realise it's not as important these days, but it's, it, I still find <laughs> it's a nice little... You know, I'm going the opposite. I'm going to be devil's advocate to that. Well, you, you, you'd like him to lose a fight? Is in he would learn something from it? Is, Am I reading that one? Once you lose that O, then you can't protect it anymore. So if he keeps that O, then they'll try and keep that O for a very long time with a world title. Like, oh, right, putting in against lesser opponents to preserve that O. Yeah, so if you lost that O, then you've lost the risk of... like That being undefeated element is such a big sales point. Um, you know, Kel Brook, look at the shit he's fought over yeah, the years. Like 35 and 0 or whatever. Mayweather's done the same, hasn't he? He's picked opponents that, not necessarily all of them, especially towards the end of his career. Towards the end, yes. Bar but, maybe Pacquiao, but even Pacquiao was kind of past it by the time he yeah. fought. But no, I mean, you give Mayweather a bit more of a pass when you've got yeah. you know, Corrales and Hatton and people like that on your, your Canelo, record. Yeah. Um, yeah, Canelo. So, no, we'll give him more of a pass, but... Looking more at Kel Brook, where what is he, thirty-five and oh? And out of thirty-five, you would say one opponent is worthwhile as a, a top elite level. Now, granted, you've got to have those lower ones. Mike Joshua's gone through those learning well, uh, not really learn anything, but those base fights, so you know, you build yourself up at the beginning yeah. of your career, that's perfectly fine. To be like for Joshua to be fifteen and oh, 16, uh, 15 and oh he is at the moment. That's fine. Like that level of opponent that he's fought at fifteen and zero, that's fine. There's no problem with that. 
So, yeah, if he lost that O right now, it's not the end of the world. Like, at least they can then put him in slightly riskier fights again and then not protecting that undefeated record like they are with Kell Brook and making shit fights that, you know, yeah, nobody cares about. I mean, I think in the context of things, if he was to say fight, for example, somehow it comes up, he fights Tyson Fury, he loses against Tyson Fury, then there's a rematch and he beats Tyson Fury, then they fight again, say, and he fight and beats him again. So across, like, there's a little story where he's lost that O, but he's... he's where he's, are you going with this? Well, I'm trying, we've I, gone so far down the line. What I'm trying to think it's is, 20, like, I wouldn't want him to lose against... <laughs> I wouldn't want him to lose against, say, some... I want him to, if he was going to lose, I'd want him to lose against someone who you could look at and go, well, he's obviously lost a quality boxer, um, not someone like Charles Martin. <laughs> I want him to lose against, uh, you know, whoever's better than him. Yeah. Simple okay. as that. Oh, yeah, uh, if it's an American uh, it, that exposes him, yeah. then fine, I can live with that. Yeah, for the most part, that is the way the boxing matches work, right? Unless your knee goes like Glasgow's. <laughs> okay, well, uh, do we have anything else to talk about? Uh, oh wait a minute! There is this really big fight coming up on Sunday. Um, it's, it's part, yeah, so, it is kind of part of the Charles Martin thing. Well, uh, uh, yeah, you've the, got Andy world... Joshua. Charles Martin is the top of the undercard for yeah, Sunday for um, Andy um, Smith versus the unstoppable Martin Fearbold. Undefeated. Talking about O's. <laughs> yeah, what I mean, yeah. Um, how do you feel about? Um, the the O. I mean, do you still? Do you think I think it's be- very important. Every fighter keeps their O. <laughs> I am one and O at present. I think it's highly important. Uh, so Martin makes his uh, ring return, know. long-awaited ring return. Yeah. A lot of the fans are calling it that. He went into retirement and then swiftly came out of it. So again. December fourteen, I picked up my debut win. And then retired. Then retired. <laughs> the fans wanted it, so you came back again. Yeah, I mean, similar to Mayweather in a lot of ways. A lot of ways. Both got O's against your name. Both got O's. Both um, tainted black men. Both. Oh, I'm less black. <laughs> I'm more white, I suppose. If you're going to be technical, but <laughs> that's totally throwing me. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, once the sort of smaller fights are out of the way. Yeah, Joshua Theobald makes his long-awaited return to the ring. Yep. And uh, you're fighting Andy Smith. Andy Can you Smith. Can tell me anything about the guy? No, nah, not really. <laughs> I'm mates him on Facebook. <laughs> That's all I know. Wow. That's, um, uh, yep. No, not really. I've, no. I don't, he used to be a kickboxer in an MMA fighter, so that'd be fun. Uh, I know that for looking for his Facebook photos. Stalked him. <laughs> Mate, if I give you my, uh, if I accept your friend request, you're not going to stalk me on Facebook, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, well, uh, yeah, it's a, a charity event, um, charity fight in Milton Keynes. So how long have you been training for now? Uh, seven weeks. And how's the training gone? Uh, well, thing is, uh, you know, I, Martin Fearbold feels very confident going in. <laughs> I need to go full boxer. I need to <laughs> step out of first person. Uh, into third. Okay, uh, so I need to step into commenta- boxing commentator mode. What makes you think that you can really <laughs> put it to Andy Smith? <laughs> Martin Fearbold has trained very, very hard. What, what the hell is that? Why is he a Congolese athlete? <laughs> I'm thinking of a prison canteen over in Ghana. Fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, no, right, okay, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, 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 I'll try and take some uh, video of it, and uh, you can put it on the Twitter feed if anyone's interested. Yeah. If anyone still listens to this podcast, they might be interested in. Seeing I interview so many fighters, and yeah, I've 
never heard them go into a Congolese accent <laughs> when. Uh, um, yeah. So no, it's all it's all good. It's uh, charity for cancer research next Sunday. Which why won't be doing the pod next Sunday because I'll be fighting and then smashed straight after I've not drunk in like eight weeks and uh, trained hard. Have you not drank at all. I, well, I had a, a couple of beers when I was over in Latvia. I was going to say um, you'd be shaking if you hadn't drank, surely. <laughs> uh, but that was what six weeks ago now. Wow, um, that's, that's good. So six weeks, no drinking, hard training, hard diet. I mean, you've stopped being yellow, so I knew you'd stop drinking to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, I just want that liver to get better, just so I can get it punched really fucking hard next Sunday. Love you've those got, liver shots. You've got a bruised liver, Mr. Theobald. Will alcohol help? No, absolutely not. Thanks, bye! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, it's all good fun, man. I, I look forward to it. It should be a really, it really was, good fight. It, it's it's been, it was good last time, just cheering um, you on on that. So Yeah, no, I look forward. Uh, I'm expecting a hard fight, if I'm honest. I'm... <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting. He does look like a tough guy. He, he does. He yeah. really does. Like more so than your last one, who looked um like looked built, but he also looked a bit soft. This guy looks like if he doesn't box you, he'll nut you to death. That's possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, it's a bit of an odd one, really. Like, I'm getting the idea. You know, when you talk to professional fighters and like how much have they studied their opponents? I know it's very, very different. We're talking very different levels here. And like some study them relentlessly, and like some don't even bother to look at them. And like I've worked pads with this bloke before. I don't think I've sp- I might have sparred him once, maybe for a round or so. I know nothing about him really. Like I'm going to get in the ring and find out. So he may hit really fucking hard, and I'll find out. <laughs> Do you remember um, that thing on Sky One a few years ago with Steve McFadden, Phil out of EastEnders, called Britain's Hardest Bloke, I think it was? No. And they had all these things, they had all these little tests yet to do. One of them was, how long can you hold a car on a ramp whilst the, I think the car went up in gradients or something? And there was one where they had to have their head in a bowl like of water. Is this like Chevy World's Strongest Man? It was exactly that, yeah. It was exactly that. How, how long can he keep his head in the water? <laughs> before he pulls Hardy the chain and, it <laughs> and at the end the two blokes that had got through they would fight on like um, a podium with like crash mats at the bottom of it and you couldn't punch, a you couldn't, gladiators it, it, yeah it was like that but uh, one of them was there was ten doors in a row and they had to try and get their way through it right so there was this one guy who was a big like Annie Joshua kind of lookalike and he just booted the first door and then about I don't know three foot behind that was another door booted it through that one and they would race each other through the doors and that was an eliminator for that well, this one geezer who looks very similar in my memory to Andy Smith, he, he was kicking this door and the door was not budging. The bloke next to him had gone through about four doors and he's kicking it and he's exhausted. He only went through the first door. So he starts punching the door, right? <laughs> and then like, oh my God, he's resorted, to, he's resorted to punching already. And uh, he's punching this door. The bloke's got through about seven doors. <laughs> this bloke, this Andy Smith looking like, takes a few steps back and starts nutting the door. <laughs> Mate, you've got ten doors to go through. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't? <laughs> no, I'm not sure that it wasn't him. So you could be in for a very painful night. <laughs> when he starts charging like a bull in the ring, that's all you know. In matador mode. <laughs> fine. So, uh, yeah, it could be an interesting night all round. Uh, I, can't, I can't wait. Great. Uh, and drinking with concussion is always good. So. It's great fun. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I'm expecting... A- really fucking hard fight if I'm honest but that's what I want so there you go yeah um, okay so that's uh, we might as well wrap up there we've had uh, um, pretty much discussed anything if anyone ever wants to get in touch with they never do so I've kind of 
not bothered putting out there anymore. You can get in touch with what's your Twitter feed? Uh, New Age Boxing UK. And that's it. I'm not going to give you any more because if you want to get in touch, do it that way. <laughs> no one ever bothers anyway. Uh, okay, well, it's goodbye from me and we'll see you uh, as soon as we can. As soon as I'm out of hospital, we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a, I'm not going to make any sick jokes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, goodbye from me. Take care.